0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Every empire needs a leader to encourage, energize, and elevate them. We are Eskimos Empire, and this is the Eskimos Coaches Show with our leader, Jason Moss, brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Here's Morley Scott with Jason Moss on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, good evening everybody and welcome to another edition of the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. 44-23, the final score in Montreal last Thursday night. The Eskimos over the Alouettes for the first time this season. A win streak is in place. They'll be trying to stretch it to three in a row on Thursday when the Saskatchewan Rough riders visit the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, 50-50 carryover. The riders will be here to tackle hunger night. Should be a great crowd. Should be a very good night. All your ticket information at the Eskimos website. We say good evening and uh, hello once again to the coach. How are you, James? Jason, doing great. Thank you. Uh, nice to get, uh, nice to get on a roll. I assume it's been win one, lose one for the first uh, five games. But nice to to put two in a row up.
1: Yeah, it's always good to to stack those wins and uh, to get on a streak. I guess uh, even if it's just two games, but uh, always feels good to win. Feels good to be playing good football. Um, you know, obviously, now the goal is to to win another one.
0: Tell me about your takeaway from from Thursday night. Obviously, you've seen it several times since then. What's the biggest thing that you take away from the, from the football game on the positive side of things?
1: Well, I think from start to finish, we played a pretty complete game, all three phases. I felt like, I, I, I mean, we had. Um, you know, we ball controlled on offense. We still put up big numbers and scored a lot of points defensively. They got after the quarterback. I think there was over 50 mm-hmm. percent of the snaps the quarterback was affected in the pocket, uh, limited, um, you know, limiting them to what they could do. Uh, special teams-wise, I think what people don't understand is how many guys we had go down in that game where we had to, you know, make three or four changes, which ultimately made about 15 substitution changes mm-hmm. because of different guys playing, and how that affects your special teams. Yet our special teams still did their job um, all night. So, you know, I thought it was just a complete game. Um, anytime you can get a victory in Montreal or any on the road in general, it's mm-hmm. tough. So. Um, you know, it was good to see all three phases play for 60 minutes.
0: Dominating performance at times, and even though I think 7-3 after the first quarter you were down 10-3 at one point, it never seemed to be almost in doubt because you were playing, even your first series, you moved the ball really well, you ended up kind of stubbing your toe at the end of it and didn't, and didn't get any points out of it, but you, you didn't, I don't know, would you call it a, what kind of start would you call it? Yeah, I mean, I think eight.
1: offensively we were doing what we wanted to do, we were dictating what we wanted to do, we got stuffed, stuffed on a second and three, which normally we convert quite a few of those, and, um, you know, and then we had a couple penalties on the second drive, and then the quarter was over. So, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot other than that. But the plays that we, you know, were making, you know, you could see how the game was going to go. You know, Mike was locked in, the receivers were locked in. We had, you know, one of our best walkthroughs of the season the day before, and I think the receivers got together with the quarterbacks the day of the game, so they were on that field when it's on the same sideline and you've got to communicate from the sideline a lot of the things that we do. Guys were locked in, knew what they were doing, and you could tell they were playing fast and, and executing. So I felt really good offensively. What we were calling, I felt, was going to work. Defensively, like I said, guys were getting after the quarterback, so the ball was going up uh, probably when it didn't need to, and he was moving around, and our guys were hustling after him. So you know we were putting some pretty good spots. Uh, because of our defense, and, you know, we made the most of those.
0: You, you talked about a good walkthrough the day before. Um, when do you get a good feeling about how your team's going to play? Does it, is it right up to game time, or do you think, yeah, we, we had a good week, we got everything going? Uh, when is it that it kind of clicks with you that it says, yeah, this could be a good I night. think the most, most of the time it's
1: generally during our very last walkthrough because during the week, guys are, like even today, I thought we had a pretty good wor- uh, work day, um, first day out we put in a lot obviously most of our game plan gets put in on this day so guys are thinking guys are talking more than they would if it was just we were just playing and there's bus but guys are flying around trying to do their part each day that gets less and less with the bus and more and more with the execution and by the end of the week when we're walking through everything for the final time and we do our day four full speed you can kind of feel, have a feel if the guys know the game plan and know where they're supposed to be. Because as a coach, you, you've you watched enough film to where you feel you, you have a good idea, a good grasp of what you'd like to do against the defense. Things can change. But ultimately, when your players understand it and they're playing fast and they look like they're hitting their marks and they understand why they're running things or doing things or why they're covering a certain way or why you're calling that coverage, why you're putting in that special team, why you're putting a, a guy matched up with here, when you get guys that are locked in that way, you feel pretty confident that you're going to go out and play. Now, football's football. Anything can happen. Yeah. But that's when you get your most confidence as a coach or as, as how your team is going to play. And then ultimately, like I said, it's a game of momentum, it's a game of ebb and flow. It's a game of guys playing through adversity, and I feel like that's one of our
0: strong suits yeah, well, that's been I think the last couple of years really you guys face adversity head on and usually and usually beat it because you're able to just overcome whatever whether it's injuries, whether it's being down in games, whether it's needing to get a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. you seem to always been able to do it
1: yeah our you know we're led by some really great people. Uh, p- our players are you know we got the, li- the right type of leaders that don't get down when things aren't going our way and they continue to communicate with players and coaches and uh, obviously never give up and they play hard to the very end and so I think anytime you have those kind of players around it feeds throughout your team permeates throughout your team and you know ultimately like I said it's it you get confidence by overcoming things mm-hmm. and our team has overcome a lot over the last couple of years so they're obviously comfort, comfortable, comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you guys had the live mic game a couple of weeks ago, it was the first time that fans had seen, had heard Mike Riley with the mic on um, through this whole process. And I heard so many comments about people saying I'd heard about him and, and the stuff he does and how much of a leader he is. But hearing him say it, it, I think it really sunk into people just what a great leader he is and, and how he talks when, he, you know, what they, when they heard him talking to players on the field, they just kind of clicked in and said, yeah, everything I hear about him is true. He just seems to be the perfect leader.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess if you needed a live mic to prove that, then the live mic is worth something. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> finally, <laughs> I think uh, if you haven't if you haven't been paying attention to our football team over the past five years, you would if you had been playing, I should say, yeah. you'd know what kind of leader he was just by the way the guys why he plays the game, the way guys act towards him, the way team teams talk about him. I mean, there's something to the guy. So if they, if that's what the live mic was for, so people could understand and appreciate that, then I'm all for it.
0: Uh, uh, everybody went to the game in Montreal talking about Johnny Manziel. They left talking about Mike Riley. That performance was, was pretty special. Uh, four touchdown passes, 415 yards. He ran around himself, uh, just did everything he always does.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, he was, like I said, locked in all night. Um, when things weren't there... Scheme wise, he made something happen, uh, made the right decision just about every single time. Um, He threw the ball accurately everywhere, whether it was short, long, in between. He made two really huge checks for us uh, that got us touchdowns and got us down to the one yard line on a pass interference. So, you know, he was locked in, um, you know, to the game plan. And not that he's not every week, but, you know, you could see it just the way he was playing. He was very comfortable. And I think you're going to see with Mike, I mean, he gets more and more comfortable. You know, every day in the system and every day that he has more reps, I think every great quarterback will tell you the more time they're in there, the game slows down, they see things. Uh, We do change our offense week to week, um, probably more than others. Uh, So he's never going to be quite that comfortable, but um, he's getting used to the schemes and getting used to what we do. Can he get better still? Yeah, no question. He hasn't yet to play a perfect game, and uh, he still, you know, he still has room for improvement. Uh, you know, as coaches, we we're nitpicky on little things that he he can get better at his footwork, his drops. Um, you know. If, if, if he ever misses he misses certain throws for certain reasons um his eyes have gotten tremendously better this year than last I, I i believe watching him survey the field having him look off defenses more he's more comfortable holding his eyes in different spots and still coming back to his primary side which i think like i said that comes with experience and knowing our system um you know so the longer he plays i mean He's obviously going to get better now. The things he probably won't get better at, I mean, there, he's never going to outperform what he does in the pocket. To me, that's what makes him special. I've never been around a quarterback that's as tough, as gritty, as good at throwing in close quarters, doesn't care about the hits, anything like that, nothing bothers him, phases him. His close quarter combat skills are uncharted, I believe. So, um, you know, I ho- just hope he maintains that his whole career yeah. you know, more than anything.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you don't, but do you get the feeling sometimes that people don't appreciate him for how good he is? Because it just seems to me people don't understand. Like, I mean, he's the best player in the Canadian football. Well, I will last say, year, probably will, this yeah, year, and, and in
1: years. I will before. say this about people that don't appreciate him. I mean, you have let's just compare. Connor. I'm not even gonna say Connor McDavid, but Connor McDavid's the best hockey player. He's been voted in NHL. Well, Mike Riley was the MOP in CFL, so he's the best player in the CFL right now in a city that loves football, that loves sports. He He holds himself accountable. He's a true champion. I mean, you root for a guy like that. He's won a great cup in the city. I wish people could come to our games and fill our stadium to see and say, "I watched Mike Riley play football." To me, you're gonna wish you had said that down the road if you have never come out and watched him play, because watching him live, I mean, it's like saying anything. I I got to watch my hero Michael Jordan play one game as a as a pro live, and I'll never forget it. You know, I want to go watch you know the best golfers. I want to go watch the best people play. Um, Mike Riley is one of the best football players ever play in the CFL, I, I'll guarantee you that. And the fact that, you know, if, if people don't appreciate that and don't want to come out to our games, if you're going to come out for one reason, come out to watch – that guy play football with the team that we have, um, and say you got to watch one of the best guys ever to play. Yeah,
0: and again, the other side of it too. I mean, he's he's great in the community. He's he, he's a tremendous interview to talk to uh, from media wise. He just he's just a complete package. Uh, the more the more I get to know him and watch him play and hear him do interviews and stuff, he just you yeah. get more appreciative of of what he
1: does. I agree, and again, I, I say Connor McDavid just because Connor's young in his career mm-hmm. too. Mike's not that old in his career. He's only been playing for five years. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a young guy in his career. He's not 15 years in his career like Ricky and Calvillo were later on in their career, Kevin Glenn even, that are Hall of Famer is playing. Henry Burris, who's playing. Mike's so short in his career, he still can play another 10 years, I mean, easily. So, yeah. you know, he's just kind of feeling his oats right now, and hopefully, God willing, he stays healthy, and he continues on doing what he does. But, I mean, I've been around the best in this league. I've seen it on a day-to-day basis. So if anyone could vouch for somebody... You know, I feel like I have a pretty should have a pretty good opinion on it, um, and I see it every day. And I'm I'm still wowed by some of the stuff he does. So I'm very excited every day. That I go out and watch our team, and a a big part of that always is being able to work with him because of the
0: pro he is. How's your relationship with him? Uh, what's What's it been? How's that kind of grown over the last three years? Um, you know, it, it's it's a great relationship. I think when you have a, a
1: closer relationship with a, a a guy that you respect. Um, as a, a player you coach um you know it can go one or two ways i mean not every coach is close to their players but i feel like i'm close to mike i you know uh, I, I love his family i love how he is um and things like that i care a lot for the guy i mean he's uh again it's hard not to because we spend a lot of time together and you watch how he works and watch what he, he cares about and he cares about all the right things so um but we have a very honest Relationship as far as coach to player, I tell him how it is. I tell him what he needs to get better at, what he's not very good at. You know, we're hard on we're hard on him. And you know, Jordan is his quarterbacks coach, we sit in that room and analyze him every day. And he comes into work wanting to hear it. And you know, we don't sugarcoat anything with him. So when he comes in after a good game or a bad game, he knows what he's going to get. He's going to get the truth. He's going to get what what he screwed up on. I praise him when he does well. Um, obviously, quarterbacks get way too much credit, way too much blame. And I always say this about you know him, he'll take the the credit and put it on to other people, but he'll shoulder all the blame, and he's not afraid of the blame, and uh, he understands what he needs to get better at. So, um, you know, I, like I said, we're fortunate as an organization to have the guy leading us be him. You guys still play darts? No, we gave up that, I think, midway through our losing streak last year. We haven't <laughs> played since. I think we're tied at 53-53 right now. Game, Let it lie. Games apiece, yeah. So uh, maybe after a Great Cup win,
0: we'll resume. <laughs> All right. Eskimo's head coach, Jason Miles. This This is the uh, Coaches Show, brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. We'll take a break, be back with more. It's a 747. You're listening to the Voice of One Empire, 630 Chad. This Thursday, the Eskimos host the Rough Riders. The Dinette and Patio Furniture pregame show starts at 630, kickoff at 8. Brought to you by your Alberta Ford dealers. Only on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Moss and Morley. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. On Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. We're back with the coach on uh, the Eskimos' coaching show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Mitchner Allen Auctioneering. Uh, before we look ahead to Saskatchewan, Jason, I want to talk about a couple of guys from the game uh, in uh, Montreal. First off, two guys who were drafted by the club last year. I want to get your take on maybe just how they played and how they've developed. First off, Quiquo uh, Boteng uh, had the hat trick, three sacks, two sacks a couple of weeks ago before he got hurt and missed a couple of games. It was great to see him come back and just pick it up right where he left off.
1: Uh, no question. He was tenacious all night. Um, you know, he worked the corner extremely well, physical, getting around it, uh, and then stayed after the quarterback until, it was, until it was, he was down. So, uh, you know, he could have had probably a, a couple more even. So he's been um, exactly what we expected of him, to be quite honest with you, um, this year. You know, last year, you know, we drafted him in the fifth round. So I think if anybody would have thought he was going to be probably as good yeah. as he's been, you would have said you would have drafted him much earlier. But one, the the moment Kwaku showed up, we knew he was there was something to him. Um, and we just happened to have an older D-line who were veteran guys who could play and all those things. But he slowly worked his way in, and you could see he was one of the better guys and he could play. And then this year we had high expectations for him. I mean, his injury set him back a little bit, but if this is what we're, we're going to expect for the rest of the year out of him is this kind of capability in a game, um, you know, he's been fantastic. I think he's only going to get better. He's young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anything, he needs to learn his body better and be able to do things all day long and uh, be tenacious like that for 60 minutes. Um, he's not quite there yet. And uh, once he gets there, it'll be fantastic.
0: And what a great spot he was in last year, too. I mean, sitting down and watching film with John Chick, Odell Willis, Phillip Hunt, Marcus Howard, guys who've been at this game for a long time and all were very, very good at it. Uh, I know I've talked to him about it and he just said he, he, you can't you can't buy that kind of an education.
1: No, and Quaker's a smart guy. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, football, when he's, when football's done, he's going to have a very productive career uh, outside of football, so he's smart, uh, did very well in school and all those things, so uh, that kind of classroom work ethic where he can sit there and watch video and analyze things and, and get things, I think, comes natural to him. There's nothing quite he- like hearing a player describe what he did and and watch the moves and understand why they did it or the little nuances of film study that I think he picked up from a lot of those veterans.
0: Uh, the other guy I want to ask you about is Nate Bahar, who, you know, got a, just a couple of snaps on offense last year, didn't catch a ball last year, but he's made some, not a lot, but he's made some really important catches for you this year. He's been tremendous. I
1: mean, anytime we've counted on him to make a play, he's made one, uh, starting off with his two point conversion in Winnipeg. Uh, this game, you know, the, the fade that he catches over Tommy Campbell on a basically a hot route for Mike, and he sees it, throws it where it needs to be thrown, but still, that's a difficult catch over one of the best DBs in the league, toe-tapping on the sideline and then keeping it once you hit the ground. Um, Nate is one of the smartest players on our football team. He understands our system extremely well. We can move him around. We can do a lot of creative things with Nate. Um, you'd only have to tell Nate one time what to do, and he picks it up, and he understands it. He analyzes it very well, um, so I... I think as you'll see as the year goes on we're going to start doing different things with them and and developing him, him more he's definitely capable of having a big night and catching the ball and doing other things he does a lot of the other little things that probably not everyone notices mm-hmm. for us but uh he's slowly going to get work more into to what we do
0: i would think as a coach that's one of the most enjoyable things you get players like that young and who are eager to learn and can learn and listen to you and just kind of teach them and watch them grow and get better as as the games go by
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. It's development, it's teaching. I think that's what you get most excited about when you watch players who come into your system, understand it, learn it, get better from it. you know, take it seriously and see the development mentally and then physically how it translates. You know, pro athletes are pro athletes. They can all, if you just take them out there and let them run, jump, um, and lift weights, you'd, you'd be always amazed. It's one thing to do that. It's a whole another thing to beat a person in, uh, individually next, and then it's a whole another thing to do it within a scheme. Um, and I think once you can do all three of those things, you see what kind of player can, what he can become, and to watch that player develop like that on a day-to-day basis over a year or over years, it's very rewarding.
0: Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Thursday night, uh, 8 o'clock start, uh, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30 Chandler with myself and Dave and Brendan Alrick on the sidelines, Blake Dermott with us as well. Uh, the Riders, a lot of noise around them today. They've, they made a lot of roster moves. They moved some some people around. They brought Calaris back. Uh, does that affect preparation? Like, Do you think like this is going to be a team that's going to have a little buzz to them because they've made some changes now? Or on it. To be quite honest with you, um,
1: we don't care one bit. I mean, we know the roster they have. If they change it, they change it. Uh, we know their schemes as far as what they've shown on film for the first five, six games of the year. That's what we're going off of. If they change, they change. We'll adapt. We'll communicate, and we'll figure it out. Um, you know, we feel like we have a good football team. Um, we feel like, you know, our guys play together. They're committed to what we do. And at the end of the day, that's what we're, we, we, we've been focused on. So the more noise, you know, that comes out of there, the less we care. So at the end of the day, they got to show up on Thursday night to play us with, who, with uh, 44 people. So and we'll play those guys. They got a pretty good defense, don't they? Yeah, their defense is great. I mean, they don't they don't give up a lot. They they're very f- uh, physical up front. Um, you know, they've got two of, two of the best rush ends in the league. Um, they got they're very physical inside as well um you know so their linebackers are very active and then their schemes allow them to play fast in the back end they challenge receivers um, they match people up so they take things they make you take it very personal because when they match people up they assume that that's the best guy to cover you so um, you take that stuff personal and then they have their zones that they mix in with it so um you know Jones is a, is a great defensive coordinator. He's won a ton of games, great cups, and all that as a coordinator um, and as a head coach, so he's difficult to go against and challenging. Um, so, you know, we got our hands full on offense. We've got to execute and, and, and play well uh, in order to score points against them.
0: All right, Jason, great stuff. Thanks again and appreciate you coming down. Thank you. That is uh, the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss for Michener Allen Auctioneering. My name is Morley Scott. Uh, have a great night, everybody.